So I'm going to jump right in today. We're going uh, back into a series uh, called The Story. We've been into it. This is the longest sermon series I've ever preached. By the time we're done, which will be sometime this year, um, it'll be over a year that we're going through one series. And I got to tell you, this has been, I don't know about you guys, this has been huge for me, um, just as a preacher and as a Christian, getting to kind of go through the story and to hear the overall story um, and to be able to pick out some specific things that relate to my life has been amazing. Um, if you're new with us or if you're, you're, you haven't been here for a while, we'll remind you that basically what we're doing is we're going through a book called The Story, and it's based on the Bible. Um, two guys got together and said the Bible is hard to read, um, and it can be hard for us to understand if we sit down and just read it. Um, and so they sat down and they said we should put this in, in a novel kind of a way, in a way that is chronological, goes from beginning to end, tells the entire story of God, and that's what this book does. So a bunch of us um, back in October, I think, picked up this book, um, and we, we got them for five bucks a piece, and we all started reading them. And we're going through a week at a time. We're in um, week, well, what is it there, Tanya? You pulled it away from me. There it is. We're in chapter 19 of the book. Um, and basically what it's doing is it's taking us through the story of God one chapter at a time. And so we'll read it and then come back here. Some of you are way ahead. Um, some of you are way behind. Um, and uh, some of you haven't picked it up yet. If you haven't picked up this book, it is amazing. It's a great opportunity. And, and I want you to know, I remember um, that I, I had a friend who was going to IU when I was going to Bible college, um, and he came home one Sunday and said, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm done reading the Bible. I said, why, why are you done reading the Bible? He said, because I'm, I'm not sure it's true. Like, since, since when has something been, tr- the, 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 uh, the idea of something being true or not is a good reason, or is a reason to read it. We read all the th- time things that we're not sure are true, don't we? So if you're here today and you go, I don't know if the Bible's true or not, that's not a good reason not to try it, not to read it, not to check it out, okay? Now, a lot of us in this place believe that the Bible is true, every word of it, every story of it, um, but we still have a hard time understanding it, and we have a hard time getting it. So this has been a great st- uh, series for us to kind of dig into that, and I want to continue today, but I want to catch you up a little bit. Basically what's happened is at this point in the story, we have followed a group of people from the beginning of of the time that God said, I want to raise up a group of people who will live differently. Now what he meant by that is not a group of people that will show up at church on Sundays. What he meant by that is not a religious group of people that will point their finger at people who don't think, feel, and act the way they do and say, you're going someplace that I'm not and I'm better than you. That is not what God meant when he said, I want to raise up a group of people who will live differently. Basically what God meant was, I want to raise up a group of people who will walk in step with the universe, will walk in step with me, with the creator, who will live the way I intended people to live. Because here's what God was seeing. He was seeing death. He was seeing um, sin all over the place, which leads to death, by the way. He was seeing all kinds of, of brokenness everywhere he, everywhere he looked. And he looked down on the earth and he said, this is not the way things were built. The way that the world has become is not the way things were built. And sin broke it. It broke it in half. So I want to raise up a people, a group of people who will live differently, who will live the way that I intended people to live. And that is they will live with peace, with hope, with joy, with all the things that they want in their life and they think they can go to Walmart and buy. <laughs> with all the things that they wake up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. with that gut feeling that things aren't, there's got to be more to this. God says, I want to raise up a people who understand what life is. And when everybody sees this group of people, they're going to say, that, there must be a God, 
a real God, a real tangible, touchable, livable God that is in those people and among those people, and I want to live like that. That's why God rose up this group of people. Now, it would be silly for God to raise up a group of people like that to ask them to live differently if they were some angels, if they were, they were different than normal people, and they weren't. And God was very specific about picking people who were messed up. These people are messed up. So God chooses this group of people, and he does some incredible things. When he chooses them, they're in slavery. They're actually slaves to Egypt. In fact, if you go to the History Channel and you see almost every day there's something on the History Channel that has to do with the pyramids in Egypt, a lot of the pyramids were built by the people that we're studying right now. I love this because it makes it tangible. You know, this is history. A lot of, the, a lot of the, the Israelites actually had their hands on some of the pyramids and some of the things in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And, and they, they began to say things to God like, God, if, if really we're your people, then what are we doing as slaves? Why are we living this hell? And many of the Christians in here have said those things to God. If, I, if I'm really chosen, God, if, I, if, I'm really, if I've really been yours and you've been mine, why am I living this hell? Why is it that I have to live like this? Well, this group of people called on God over and over and over again, and God raised up a man named Moses, who we still talk about today. Anybody, I'd like to see a show of hands. Anybody been watching the, the, the Bible on the History Channel? Mm, it's good, isn't it? Awesome. It makes it real, brings it home. There's a whole new resurgence of interest in in God. Now, not interest in church, not interest in religion, interest in God. And saying that story makes sense to me as a human, and I would, I'd like to learn more about it. It's awesome, and, and it's really cool that we're kind of going through this story as, we're, as that's coming out on video. The really cool thing. And Moses gets raised up. He, he lets the Israelites, um, he, he lets them know that God is going to rescue you from, from slavery. And some amazing things happen. You've got to read the story. It's incredible. God performs some miracles. There's some awful plagues that happen. And, and basically, the, the Pharaoh at that point, it says, you can have all the, all, the, all the Israelites. Obviously, there's a God that is on their side. You can have them. They're free. And so Moses hurries across the desert with these Israelites, um, probably thousands upon thousands of Israelite slaves. Now, when you watch the Bible on the History Channel, they apparently didn't quite have the budget um, because it looks like Moses says to 12 or 15 people, come on, let's go. You know, that's the one thing I'm not crazy about. There were thousands of Jews at this point. We don't know exactly how many. There's guesstimates and there's people who have guessed, but there are lots of people who have lived their entire lives, their sons, their grandsons, their grandsons, their, have lived their entire lives in slavery. That's all they know. And now they're free. They're going across the desert. And as they go across the desert, the, the, the Pharaoh at the time decides he's changed his mind. He's going after them. He's going to kill every last one of them. And he, they get up to the sea, and this is, if, even if you're not a Bible person, you're not a God person, you've heard the story. They get up to, a, to this big ocean, this big sea, and they've got the sea on one side, and the king and all of his horses and all of his chariots coming after them, ready to kill them, coming after them behind them. And they go, God, why, Moses, would you bring us out to the desert to die? And Moses goes, God is on your side. No matter how bad things look, God is on your side, and he, and Man, you got to watch the movie. It's awesome. He takes the staff, he hits the water, and it goes... And if you watched the Bible, um, the, the portion of it, it's amazing. The walls come up, um, and there's, you gotta hit, if you have a hard time with faith and believe in this part, come see me. I'll, I'll 
tell you some things that scientists have found at the bottom of the Red Sea, um, some passages and some really cool things that they think this is where the Israelites must have crossed. God opens it up. They cross the sea, and once they get on the other side, the waters cave in on the Israelites, and all the Israelites, I mean, not on the Israelites, on, the, on Pharaoh and his army, and the Israelites all get across. They all are safe, and the waters calm down, and the Israelites turn around and go, did that just happen? That was awesome. God must be on our side. Now, we've said among us here in this place that why doesn't God do that for us? Like, we have a hard time with faith. Let's just be honest. That's what we try to do around here. Let's be as honest as we can. We have a hard time believing. But sometimes Sunday afternoons, it's easy. By Tuesday, by Wednesday, by Thursday, we're starting to go, really? Is there a God like that? Is he really on my side? And you feel like if you could just go into the office and things were awful and all of a sudden God parts something. And you, obviously, you get the impression God is on my side. Wouldn't it be easier? And it doesn't happen to us. Now, there are people who have stories. It never happened to me. Nothing like that's ever happened to me. But i got to tell you, God continued to raise up this people and to grow this people and to continue to do things so we can look back and say, that's me, the Israelites. God has chosen me, and I'm broken and I'm messed up. They keep messing up. They keep screwing up. They keep doing things. And God keeps telling a story through them. But along that path... This next slide, i got to get moving here. I want to set this up for you. Along that path, we begin to see a long tradition of people who live life differently. And if you watch the Bible on on the uh, History Channel, you'll see this. These are a group of people that are different than the rest of the people in the world at this time. They're not better. They're not richer. They're not prettier. In fact, in a lot of cases, they're the poorest. They're the ugliest. (laughs) They're the invalids. They're the broken. But there's something different about them. There's a different hope. There's a different peace. There's a different undergirding in their life. They're different. And God says, I've called you to be different. I want, what I want you to know today is, uh, before we get started with this specific story, I want you to know that what you're doing today, what you're doing sitting here, is not what God intended for people who are following him. Did you know that? Sitting in a church is not what God planned from the beginning of time. It's not, this is not the end. This is not the, what God said. God never said, what I want one day, I want people to be somewhat happy and kind of okay happy, but really at the heart, they're not really that happy. And then I want them to come in and I want them to fake like they're happy. So they come in and they say, how are you doing today? Oh, praise God, I'm great. And they're really down deep, they're hurting. And then what I really want them to do, if you're God, what I really want them to do is sit in an orange pew and listen to a guy who, by the way, they don't, he's not any better than anybody else. And listen to a guy talk, sing some songs they've been singing for a long time, and then go home. You think that's what God wants? It's not. It's never what he intended. That's not what he intended. Now, what we're doing is awesome, and it's fun, and it's great, and it gives us, it gives us the energy, and it gives us a, a way to do life together, but this is not even close to the end. This, if anything, is just a, a way to get us a deep breath in the middle of the week. And so God says, I want you to live differently. He talks to these people, and he says, you're going to worship differently. The rest of the world worships, and, and they say things like this. And maybe you've heard this on Facebook. Shouldn't I be able to worship whatever I want to? If, if, if you just be tolerant with me and you let me worship what I want to, you can worship what you want to. And there's, there's lots of truths for lots of people. That's what the world was saying. And God said, no, no. You guys are going to live differently. You're going to live like there's one truth. And by the way, there is, and I'm it, God says. You're going to live like there's one truth, and you're not going to just live like that when 
you've done something wrong or when you need something. You're going to make God, make me the middle of your life. You're going to worship differently. You're going to deal with the daily things that you need differently. Things are going to be different. Other people trust in themselves. You're going to trust in the, pers- in the God of the creation, the God of the creator, to, for your daily needs. And he did this in some really cool ways. He told the Israelites, he said, I'm, I'm going to get you out in there. You just follow Moses. Moses is your leader. So they're thinking, well, he part of the Red Sea. I'll follow him. Okay? And so they follow him a little bit, and they start going around the desert, and they start going circles. And they're like, didn't I already see that rock? <laughs> Wasn't that camel there last week? And they realize they're going in circles in the desert. And just about the time they get really frustrated and they get really hungry because they're in the desert and there's nothing to eat, no animals will be out there, they, they say, God, what are we going to eat? What are we going to do? And God says, now listen to this because this is still true of you today. God says, I want to take care of you every day. I want you to count on me. Now that's real easy for us to say. What do you, who do you count on in your life? Where's your hope? I count on God. Yeah, but you go to Walmart and pick up your groceries. You go to work. You get your stuff. Do you really count on God? Now, the Israelites at this point, God said, I want you to count on me. So there is no Walmart. There is no place to go get food. There is no jobs. There are no things where you can go out and count on yourself. I want to teach you a lesson and the people that come after you about counting on me. So he, they wake up in the morning and they have bread all over the ground around them from God. They call it manna. You may have heard this. Bread everywhere. And they start to collect it, and they eat it, and it tastes great, and it satisfies them. And somehow, some of it tastes like bread, and some of it tastes like steak, and really good. And it, it satisfies them in different ways, and it's obviously from God. And they're going, God is, uh, he is truthful. He does what he says he'll do. And so they say, you know what? Maybe he won't do it tomorrow, so let's get a whole bunch of it. And let's pile it up. So that if he doesn't do it tomorrow, we've got some to eat tomorrow. So they start to pile it up. And then as they pile it up, they realize this stuff is rotting. (laughs) They get just what they need for the day, and then everything else rots away. You can't store anything. God says, I don't want you. I want you to count on me daily. So they wake up the next morning, and they have more bread, and it's fresh, and it tastes different, and it doesn't get old. and And they go again, and every day, God provides for them. And they begin, they begin, I want you to, catch this this morning because this is the crux of the story they begin to be in step with the way God intended for humans to live the Israelites begin to walk like God is in charge of everything I do and he's in the middle of everything I do and when they do they become different it changes everything for them God said, here's some rules, and these rules aren't about you going to heaven or hell. These rules aren't about you being a good person or a bad person. These rules, if you obey them, if you fear these rules, if you look at them and you take care of them and you teach your kids about them, it will change who you are. It will bring you to the places you want to be. Some of you are sitting in the pew today going, I am never going to be who I want to be. I am never going to get the peace, the hope, the joy, the love. Some of you Christians in the room today have said to me over and over and over, and it breaks my heart, and I'm on a plane, on a business trip, on the way home, I think about you and I pray for you, and I feel responsible in some ways. You say to me, I've been a Christian all my life, and I've never experienced the peace that passes all understanding. I don't understand. You say it, but I don't get it. Some of you are feeling that today. It's the elephant in the room for Christians, that we say we're different, but we act like everybody else. Part of the reason is God has said, here are ten things. He called them basically the top ten. We call them the Ten Commandments. Here are ten things. If you base your life around these parameters, you will live differently, and it will lead you to be the kind of people that you want to be from the moment you're born. 
And so he says, God said, one of the things God says is, you will take a break. And you go, oh, well, that's nice of God to give me a vacation. No, this is not God being nice. This is God saying, if you want life, the way that your gut feels that you want life, you have to be in step with the universe. You have to be in step with the creator, which means you take a break. I'm learning this. And man, those of you who know me know I am a broken mess when it comes to some things. And one of those things is taking a break. I'm a workaholic. It partially ruined my first marriage. I'm not letting it ruin the rest of my life. And I'm trying every day to not be that person. And I read this week and I got passionate this week. And yesterday I had my first, maybe ever, Sabbath. Yesterday was a Sabbath for me. I got up and I found out in this week and I told my wife, I, needed, I need this accountability. Risha, I feel like I'm at cross purposes with what God wants for my life. I talk to everybody. I, I, God's going this way and I'm going this way. And if I want to live life the way God wants, I got to get going this way. I got to get on his path. And God says, the first thing you can do, if you're here today and you're going, oh, amen, I am there. I am at cross purposes with God. Everything's difficult for me. Everything feels hard. Everything is stressful. Anxiety rules my life. That, all those things are true of me personally, by the way. This week it came to a head for me, and on Tuesday I was doing devotions, and I read this thing about the Sabbath, and I heard this message, and this guy, Andy Stanley, which I'll send you this if some of you need this, he said this, he said, the, not, not participating in, in taking a break on a Saturday or Sunday is a lack of faith. It's saying, God, I have to get this stuff done. Because if I don't get it done, my life will fall apart. And God's going, no, I choose whether your life falls apart or not. I choose what comes and what goes. So you do what I ask you to do, and in the ebb of flow of life, I'll take care of you. So this week, I worked till midnight Friday night. I wrote my sermon. This sermon was, was finished by Friday night midnight. I didn't look at it again until this morning. I had a full, stinking day of nothing. You know what I did at 1 o'clock? Nothing. You know what I did at 3.30? Nothing. And I got to tell you, I went to bed last night after one stupid day of doing things God's way instead of my own. I was a different person. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. I went to bed different last night. I'm telling you, if you're here today and you're saying, I don't believe this God stuff, okay, maybe we're not there yet. Try his rules. <laughs> Just try him for your life. Because here's what else he said. I'm running out of time, but I'm going to spend time on this because I see it in your eyes. You're dealing with this too. He says this. He says, you know what, the Israelites, you guys, you guys are getting these big circles. You think you're in charge, and I'm going to tell you, you take one day off a week and you'll remember who's in charge. God took one day off, didn't he, when he created the world? That was to give us an example. This is, the, this is the way things work. You take a break. Some of you need a break. And he said, some of you are at your full capacity. I know that some of you are that way. Some of you are at full capacity with everything in your life. You work 100% of your time. 100% you do something. You work. You do something. God says, I don't want you to. I want you to work really hard, and I want you to take Saturday or Sunday or one day and stop. No computer, no nothing. And then he says this. You're doing the same thing with your money. And your stuff, did you know that? And I'm speaking right to you today. My wife and I have been here. Where you go, you know what, I got paid Friday. Yay, we got a check for 484.41. What are we going to do with it? Well, we're going to spend 484.40. Maybe. Maybe a little more and hope the bank, we play catch the bank. And we're going to leave so close to our funds, we're going to leave so tight with our lives. And then when things get really bad, we're going to go, God, help me. I'm so stressed about my money. And God goes, I did help you. I told you, if you take 10% of that 481.40, 
and you put it in savings, you take another, four, another 10% and you give it to me first. That's what you do before you do anything else. I'll take care of the rest. And they begin to live at a different capacity in their lives. 100% wasn't what they were living at anymore. And it began to make them go, oh, some of you are struggling so bad financially, it just breaks my heart. You can't think spiritually. Some of you are sitting here right now, you can't get your brains right because all you're doing is thinking about the phone calls coming in. You're glad for Sunday because the bill collectors take a little bit of time off. You'll still start getting calls about 4 o'clock. I know because I used to get them. And some of you are so stressed, you can't, I can't even get to you spiritually. And part of it is because we have gone to full capacity. God says to these group of people, don't live like that. What if, here's what the people started doing. They started teaching their kids to live differently. What if we did this? What if I told my, my daughter, who is seven going on 15, quick. I mean, she is quick. She's going to come to me real soon and say, Dad, I want a job. I want some money. And Dad, I want allowance. My friends are getting allowance. What if I said this? I'm thinking about this. She's not in the room. I'm thinking about this, saying, okay, you can have a job, but don't, I'm not going to let you do what I did. So here's what you're going to do. I'm going to monitor your bank accounts. I want you to have the first 10% goes right to God. As soon as I see that your 10%, the first 10% doesn't go to God, you're done working. You're done until you get it figured out. You don't need the money, so you're done. And then the next 10% goes into a savings account. And then you can go buy an American Girl doll if you want. You can do what you need to do with it. But those first, and let's build a habit. Can we do that? Can we agree to that? Because I'm looking at people who didn't get that, and you're not happy. You're living too much to your capacity. We've got to stop it. God says to these people, you've got to stop it. So they begin to teach their kids, and it changes everything for them. They begin to live in step with the Creator. I've got to go. Next slide. The whole thing becomes about redemption. It becomes about them being in step with God. This whole story, if you've missed it so far, I'm going to boil it down for you in pretty much one sentence. The whole story is this. God says, I want you to be different. I don't want you to be religious. I don't want you to point fingers at people. I want you to live a different kind of life for you and for me and for the people around you. And when you don't, there are going to be consequences. And you're going to feel them because you need to. I'm going to say to London, no, your job is gone. You can, you've got to go get a, you're going to stop until we get this right. Then you can start again. There have got to be some consequences. And God said, and boy, if you've been reading the Old Testament, woo, there are some consequences and they stink. And then we see that in the midst of all the consequences is God's plan for redemption. Isaiah says this, but now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, which is his nickname for the Israelites, pretty cool. He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to know this piece of scripture is for you. He knows you by name. He is watching your life right now. And I, I, I prayed so much for this sermon this week before Saturday. And I prayed so much for you that I believe what God's doing right now is working on your heart to say, listen to this guy. He's got goofy hair and he's weird, but this is my stuff coming out of his mouth. I believe this is from God. Listen to this. If you want what you have always wanted, if you really want to get there, live in step with the Creator. He wants that for you. Next slide. So in our story this week, we see the Israelites who have gone through the ebb and flow of trying to live differently. 
and then they don't. And so they all kind of, some of them sort of drift into living like the rest of the world. And when they do, the Bible calls uh, the group of people who continue to live differently, the Bible calls them a remnant, which is a really cool little thing. If I, if I was creating a new church, I might name the church Remnant Christian Church. I just think it's a cool idea. Here's the idea. When you see the word remnant in the Bible, what it means is the people who are still going in the right direction. These are the people that no matter what, set their jaw on what was right and set their lives towards God and being in step with God. I love the idea of the remnant. The remnant are part of the reason that we're here today because they were faithful and we followed them. Jeremiah 29.11, many are... 29.10, many of you have used the scripture, you have it written in your Bibles, you didn't know the context for it until today, that's why I love this story. You've probably heard this piece of scripture before and didn't know how it was, uh, what it was in context to, but basically what's happened is the Israelites have been taken into captivity again. God said, We're, I'm going to give you a land, and he gives them their own land, and they said it flows with milk and honey, which is a w- wonderful way of saying we loved our place, and there's food, and there's stuff, and we can eat, and we can live there, and our kids can grow up there, and then they made some serious mistakes, and the king um, was not following God, and God took over their land again and gave them back to a, a, basically to a king, Nebuchadnezzar, um, who is a guy with a funny name and a ruthless attitude. Didn't like God, um, didn't like other people worshiping anything but him. He, st- he treats Jews terribly. And we get to a point in history where 70 years now, the Jews are taken from their land, the land that God promised them and gave them, and, and are put into ba- a place called Babylon. And they're in Babylon for 70 stinking years. Now, amidst that time, these Jewish people have a choice. They can follow the Babylonian way and start to live like Babylonians, and some of them do. And then there's a remnant whose grandparents of grandparents of grandparents, 70 years we're talking about here, had been a part of the original uh, Israelites. And they continued to pursue God and to live differently. And this group of people kept worshiping the way God intended. They kept the Ten Commandments. They kept doing their best to live in step with God. Jeremiah 29.10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, okay, so the Jews are now in captivity again. They're in basically slaves, some of them slaves, some of them just in captivity um, in Babylon. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Okay, so now you've got this, you, I want you to get all this context before we read the next piece of scripture, because some, some, some of us take this scripture out and we write it on stuff and we don't realize the context. These people have been in captivity for 70 years. They felt like God wasn't listening. And in the meantime, they keep living the way he intended for them to live, because it works. It brings them peace, even in the midst of captivity. And he says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me, and I will come and pray, and, and will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. All the consequences, all the things that, that you've created amongst yourself, not living the way, I'm going to bring you back. What we've talked about as parents during this time, if you've got kids right now that are in exile, <laughs> if you've got kids that are in timeout constantly, if you've got kids right now that you can't seem to get on the right side of, I want you to know that what God 
the way God asks us to be parents and the way he has parented us is said this, there will be punishment. There will be consequences. But every time, listen to me, every time, parents, the point of the consequences is redemption. Always. It's not dad, and I'm looking at dad because I know you, especially in this area, dads, this is us. We are going to punish you so you know I'm the alpha male. You're going to sit in time out. I'm going to spank you. I'm going to do whatever I can. And what did you learn? You learned that I'm the stud of the house. I'm the man. You don't mess with me. That's not the way God works. The way God works is always redemption. It's always about the end goal is not to find out that you're the man. It's to find out that you desperately love your son and your daughter and you're about bringing them back home, bringing them back to who they're intended to be. Next slide, i got to get moving. Losing perspective. So the, the group, God basically says, you're going to go back home to Jerusalem. So I, I can't imagine what this would be like, but someday some, some, uh, the king of Persia comes in and he says, I, I want to kind of get on the right side of the Israelites. There's a lot of them, and they could come up and rise up. So I, I want to tell you, I, you guys can all go back home. You can go to Jerusalem. You can have it back. And you can start to build the temple of God, which was destroyed. You can start to build it all back. So the Jews, some of them, the remnant, go back to Jerusalem, and a lot of them say, no, I'm good here. But the, the ones that go to Jerusalem, they go back, and they start to build their houses, and they start to build their lives back up. And when they do, here's what God says through the prophet Haggai. That's the way you read that, not Haggai. It's Haggai. Um, it's a, a prophet that, the God, that God said, I want you to go talk to this remnant, these people who are, have gotten their land back. And here's what God says. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, God's house, remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. This is my prayer for you today. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in the purse with holes in it. You see where God's going with this? If, you don't, if, you've, if you've ever been a workaholic, you know exactly what God's talking about. You put in 74 hours this week, and you get to Friday, and you go, what was that? It's worthless. I work, and I work, and I work, and this is not worth nothing. God says, you guys have lost perspective on who you are. I'm, I've been praying for you today. Maybe you've lost some perspective on who you are. If you have, I want to move along here. Next slide, Tanya. If you've lost perspective today, here's what Haggai tells people to do, the Jews who have lost perspective. They've, they've retaken their land, and he says this, stop and give careful thought. That's part of what I do before we preach on Sundays is the stop. Just stop for a minute. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Next slide. Stop consuming life at full capacity. Some of you are going to walk out of here today and go, oh man, the preacher was talking about this stuff. He was talking about the, kind of the life that we really want. Now, husbands and wives are sitting next to each other right now, and the elephant in the room on the way home, I'm going to create it, okay? The elephant in the room on the way home, I want you to ask each other today, are we headed for what we really want? Is the 401k really that important to us? Is the bigger house is the big vacations, is, is that what we really want? I mean, in the long run, are we going to sit in Hawaii on a bench? That sounds a nice place. 
But when it's over, are we going to go, we still have holes in our life. We still have, are we headed where we want to head? Are we living life at full capacity? Because what God intends for us to do is to pull back, to stop, to get perspective. Next slide. When you, when you just can't get enough, you're trying to get perspective, Haggai says, find something to do that has God's name on it. This is huge. If you're here today and you, you, you simply just cannot get perspective on your life, one of the best ways to do it is to find something that you know God is doing and get on board. Basically, here's what happened. This is what the Lord God Almighty he says, be careful, um, give careful thoughts to your ways. He says, go up into the mountains and bring down timbers and build the house. Build God's house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much in your life, but see, it turned out to be so little. What you brought home, I blew away. I read this and I was thinking about my paycheck. I own my own company and when I get a paycheck, I, I write myself a paycheck. So it hurts and it feels good. It's really weird. It's a weird feeling. <laughs> but I get this paycheck and what God says is, you work really hard, you come home, and then if I want to, I go, it's gone. I blew it away. If your perspective's not right, if you don't understand who butters your bread, if you don't get where your manna comes from, God says, I'll show you. That made it quiet in here, didn't it? Find something to do that has God's name on it. If you find yourself lost so much perspective, if you can't get in your life close to God, you just can't get in step with God, the next thing to do is come see me after church, and I'll introduce you to Rick, I'll introduce you to John, I'll introduce you to, to Stacy and to our children's ministry. Do something with God's name on it, and I'm going to give you one practical thing, and then we're about done. Those, those of you who haven't served um, for a long time, maybe some of you are older, we are starting a thing. Um, elders don't even know this yet. Um, they'll be fine with it, I'm sure. We're starting a thing. Um, if not, just stop me, guys. No, um, we're going to start this thing on Sundays. I've been, I pray for you all week on Sundays. And then on Sunday mornings, I stop praying. I just do. I, I get up early and I pray. But then I get here and I'm with you guys and I'm just thinking, I wish somebody. So here's what I'm going to do. There's some of you who haven't, um, haven't served for a long time, especially some of you that are older. I'm asking for five people. I already have one. I have two, actually. I need five people who will pray at 930 every Sunday morning. We're going to pray at different places in the building. We're going to pray in the pews. We're going to pray in that room back there. We're going to pray upstairs for the kids. We're going to pray in the gym. We're going to pray for the worship team. We're going to pray. I'm telling you, if you're having a hard time getting perspective, meet me here at 930 on Sunday mornings. Just one week. Just try it. I'm going to give you some things to pray. You don't have to pray out loud. I'm going to have you. You'll pray silently in different places of the building. And I tell you, I'm telling you, when you do something with God's name on it, when you actually take your hands and do something with your own abilities, with your own physical talent, with your own resources, and you do something with God's name on it, it changes your priorities. Ask the worship team. Some of these guys play in bands all over. You know, they're good. Rick's played in every bar in Indiana and most out in the West. He became a Christian, and now he's playing in some of the same kinds of places. But for, and, and he comes here on Sundays, and there's a different thing. When you put God's name on it, it's different. Haggai says, put, do something, or God will begin to, sh- to look into your lives and go, see? It's not worth what you thought it is, is it? Next slide. 
So basically, here's what happens. The Israelites do this. They, they, they realize they've lost perspective on their lives again, that they, they've made it all about themselves. And so they start building the house of God again. And look, at, look what it says that happened in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, fun name, son of Sheetal, fun name, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, which you could name your son if you've got one coming on, the high priest and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of their Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord, their God, had sent Haggai. And then lastly, look at this. And the people feared the Lord. I'm not that kind of preacher, but today I want to instill the fear of the Lord in you. Band, you can come up this direction. And what I mean by that this morning is not that you be trembling at God because that's not all this meant. What this meant is when, when, when you see this in the Bible, don't think scared, don't think trembling. What you think is that people have realized that God is the only way to get what is real in my life. That when, when I say I fear the Lord, that means everything that God says, everything that he's about, I'm submitting myself to. And that's what happens. These people feared the Lord in that way. Next slide. I love this. And this is what happens um, to uh, those who fear the Lord. Those who say, God, I want to walk in step with you. This is a man named Isaiah who lived during this time. He was a prophet. Not only was he a prophet um, that told people what God was wanting them to do right then, he was a prophet that actually prophesied Jesus himself. We see the first thoughts about Jesus from a man named Isaiah. It's pretty amazing. Isaiah um, lived close to God, and he lived in step with God. He, he chose to live in step with God. And when he did, he began to pin things like this. And maybe you need this today. Check this out. He says this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Maybe I'm speaking right to you today. Maybe Isaiah is speaking to you. Do you not know? Have you, have you been thinking that you're in charge of your life? Somebody go meet me in the parking lot after. <laughs> did, you, did you think you were in charge? <laughs> did you think that you were in charge of your next breath? Because God could take it right now if he wanted to. Isaiah says, do you not know? You've been living like you don't know this stuff. Have you not heard? Because I'll say it louder. The Lord is everlasting. The only thing that is everlasting, everything else, the Lord is everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. Increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. And this is the scripture that you've seen on your little porcelain plate at the Bible bookstore. But this is the context. In the midst of life, when everything is hard, when nothing makes sense, when you feel like it just keeps going downhill, when you decide to be in step with God, here's what happens. But those who hope in the Lord not in their paneled houses, not in their 401ks, not in their vacations. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. If you're weary, you are. I see it. If you're tired, if you're tired of being at cross purposes with the Creator, He's going this way, and you're going this way. Today is the day. Start with the Sabbath. It's a great place to start. Start with money. 
Man, it will change your life. I don't have time to tell you, but it will change your life. And I can tell you firsthand. Start with anything, but don't spend another day weary. I love this story. It's time to leave today, but I love this story because here's the point. God is always ready for you to come home. Always. There's an old song my grandpa used to sing, and I can hear his voice. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Remember that song? Gray hair people, yeah. And blonde. Uh, Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. This is the call of the story. Do you see that? Every discipline. Every single thing. It's all about coming home. Today's the day. Please don't wait another day. Please don't wait another day. I'm going right back there to that corner. If you'd like to pray about it today. I love this sermon because I can give you some really practical things to do to start today to get your family in step with the Creator. I'm praying for you and begging God that you will listen today. Going back there. Let's stand together and sing.